stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats and keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. For years, I just dreaded going to the dentist. But at Advanced Dentistry, I don't have to. First and foremost, they want you to feel comfortable when you walk in. Like, you'll feel it. Whereas in the past, I might have gone into the dentist and thinking, I might feel some pain at some point. But with IV sedation, it can be something that you don't dread. If you've been avoiding the dentist because of fear, worry, or just not wanting to be judged, you're not alone. Visit NoFearDentist.com to learn how IV sedation can change your life. Hi, I'm Zach. Hi, Zach. It's Rob Lowe here. Hi, Rob. How are you? I'm psyched you're here. I'm psyched you're on our little pod. It's very exciting. Uh, well, thank, thanks for having me. I'm I'm probably going to be your most boring guest, if you don't mind. Well, I, you, you're coming out of the gate hot in that sweater. <laughs> This is going to be fun because this young man, this young man is a funny, funny young man. He's beloved. Everybody loves him. All species love him. I'm talking about, of course, the genius, truly genius, Zach Galifianakis. The fact that he has made it in Hollywood with an unpronounceable name is truly, truly something to doff my chapeau to. And um, I cannot wait for you to hear this conversation coming right up. It's going to be great. The internet lag makes me feel like I'm doing Larry King in the 80s. It's fucking awesome. You're on with Roanoke, Virginia. Go ahead. Then it was like a huge pause. (laughs) Nobody knew what the fuck was going on. Did you ever hear that he had fans under his desk because he farted so much? No, come on. I've always heard that he had like three oscillating fans (laughs) under his desk. I sat next to Larry King at a Dodger game and you would have thought I would have maybe experienced that bodily function then too, right? Maybe, maybe, maybe he had such respect for the Dodgers that he wouldn't dare do such a thing. Well, he didn't, you didn't see any fans nearby, did you? Like oscillating fans, uh, he didn't bring them to the game, did he? He did not. He probably came to the game going, I know there'll be fans there anyway. No, like, no, they're baseball fans, Larry. <laughs> get it, get it, get it, get it together. Get it together, Larry. Did you see my Duke shirt? Why do you shoot? have a Duke I, shirt on? Um, I wore it, yeah. A, because I know about your North Carolina heritage. And um, my well, son- First of all, Duke University is where all the, the all the- that's the, the that's the rival school of where I went to an agriculture school, Duke ah. and Chapel Hill. I went to NC State, not oh, even oh. Chapel Hill. So I did this to incite you. Yeah, I, that, that doesn't work for me to wear a Duke. That's the wine and cheese crowd, Rob. We're 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 the farming people. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do a deeper dive on this. So the Duke that my son graduated from Duke, um, but there is that rivalry is it's real. It's real, and people take it very seriously, right? 
Wow, your kid must be pretty smart. Uh, Duke is a very great school. What did he study there? He, I think his degree was, of all things, military history. Go figure. But now he's a lawyer. No he's kidding. Pa- yeah, he wow. passed the bar. Yeah, so he's a, he passed the bar, went to Loyola Law School, passed, and now he's a he's an attorney and working in um, tech. But uh, it's always interesting to me what kids choose to study. I mean, it's always fascinating. I mean, I, military history. I would love it. Yeah, but I don't know. I don't know what that does in the job market. Luckily, he it took care of itself. Yeah, that's a great. That's such a specific degree military history wow yeah there's not i wonder what you could do with that start a uh, war besides be, i mean being a lawyer yeah of course you start, start a, war. a war start a war that might be the best job you can have <laughs> yes you know, go ahead larry it's go ahead roanoke virginia you're on hi it's chad from roanoke uh a first t- a first time listener long time caller sorry i'm farting um i was going to say to you duke i mean i called you duke but your name's rob uh rob the last time I went to Duke University, Duke was playing in the national championship mm. that night against, it was, gosh, it must have been the late 80s, early 90s. And I had just hitchhiked from Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. I used to hitchhike and I would carry a sign in college that says, I don't have a gun. Smart. And people would pick me up all the time. And I was on my way to Raleigh, North Carolina, back to school. And uh, this limousine was at a gas station and I hadn't gotten a ride for a few hours. So I walk up to the limousine driver and I said, uh, hey, is there anybody in the back? <laughs> he goes, no, I'm just driving up to, to Philadelphia from Miami. I go, can you give me a ride to Durham? He goes, yeah, hop in. <laughs> so he takes me, he actually takes me to my apartment in Raleigh comes in to have a, like a glass of water. My brother and friend Edwin are watching the Duke championship. They win. That guy takes us to Durham that night in his limousine. We, had, we were college students with oh. a limousine in Durham the night of the championship. Oh. And we were, it was the only time in my life I've ever been popular. <laughs> it was so fun. So fun. That must have been amazing. I mean, it's going to games at Duke was my favorite thing. We got... Um, You'd think that Coach K, the legendary Coach K, still can't pronounce his last name, by the way, um, would have given a lot of commencement speeches. Turns out he's only given one, and that was for my son's um, graduation year, which is really kind of special to have him. Hmm. I, I remember um, getting the tour, going on the college tours, which is so fun. That's my favorite memory, one of them, of being a father. But we got to Duke, and they, they of course, take you to Coach K's office as part of the tour, and he's not there. And they point to a spot on the floor in front of the desk. And they say, do you see that right there, that area right in front of the desk? That is the most important place on the campus. And I go, why? I guess because every seven years, the president of Duke comes in and gets down on his knees right, right there and begs Coach K to stay. <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah, that, yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a tradition there, basketball and uh, in that whole area. You know, basketball is so huge. We used to be able to watch basketball in in class Jesus. in high school. They would let us watch basketball. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. That's how I ended up in Hollywood. Well, yeah, we're going to get to that. I'm fascinated <laughs> with all of it. Um, so I'm a huge fan of yours. Um, uh, truly, we'll get into that too. But I was looking through some of the research on you. Um, you're... 
your mother owned a worked at a, at a community arts center. Walk me through, through that because I get started in a community arts center in the Midwest. Is this is this am I, am I did my staff do a good job? Tell me about this art center yeah, thing. I, yeah, so my mom worked at a place called the Walker Walker Center, which was part of a community college in my hometown, and. Uh, uh, there, they had this really great bluegrass festival called the um, Royal Watson Festival. A lot of my mom was kind of an administrator there that would bring in acts. And, you know, Amazing. my job was to put up posters around the small towns of Ray Charles coming to my hometown. I got to see Ray Charles Oof. in this little community center perform. And it was just so we would have these great acts come through our town. So, yeah, my mom was not really the artistic part of it. She was more kind of just the uh Worked in the uh, you know the the business end of, of the offices there, uh, but my dad was a performer there, and he did Fiddler on the Roof and stuff like that. He never no knew his lines, never knew his lines. How did that happen? Look, my dad. I learned a lot from my dad from faking it. <laughs> no, um, I I I don't know how. He, I just remember the day of the play. We, were, we would go over his lines and they just weren't there yet. And somehow he, he got through it somehow. I have that. That is, that is the reoccurring nightmare that I had when I was a kid. It was that I, you know, the one, the classic one that I showed up for a test and looked down and realized I'd forgotten to wear clothes. Right. That's, that was the classic. I had it. And, but now the one is it's opening night and I'm in the wings and I realize I've never bothered to learn the lines. And I, I, my, my whole, my whole chest, just talking about it fills with anxiety. Have you ever been on a set where you didn't feel prepared? That's the thing. No, really. I mean, that's the irony of it. I, 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 I'm very diligent. I was hoping you said yes. I mean, no, uh, I, I, I can't, maybe that's why I have the, 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 the nightmare because it truly would be a nightmare for me. I can't imagine. Now, that said, part of acting is faking your way through it. I mean, that's that's for sure. Well, have you ever I mean, you've probably been my whole thing is, or at least my excuse, if I can't when lines are very bad, I can't I can't remember them. Of course not. No, for sure. One hundred percent. That's and I was on I was on a kid's movie once where I was talking to animate or pop uh, to popsicle sticks instead of the animation. And I already worked on it for a month and I was really struggling with my lines. <laughs> and the producer walks up to me. She goes, do you want a teleprompter? <gasps> and I went, I-, I froze. And she goes, it's Travolta's as if. Yes. Yes. I know all about this famous. Oh, oh, in that case. Yeah, for sure. But I was so humiliated that, that she had offered me a, um, a, a teleprompter, but talking to fake guinea pigs is just with dialogue that I couldn't understand was really, it's it, it, those times on set, I don't feel ill prepared. I just feel like, oh, I'm going to forget these lines because I can't make sense of them. Yeah, Has that sure. ever happened to you? All yeah, the okay, time. Good. In fact, I have a thing okay. like the, the harder the line is to remember, the worse the writing is. 100%. And if the if the writing is really is fantastic, you remember it immediately. Um, yeah. But like just the the just filler at all. By the way, exposition, just the bad exposition is is 
killer, you know. Oh, so that was Billy. Billy was the one who came into the crime scene uh, before we arrived here. Isn't that right? All that shit. So hard yeah. to do. But also yeah. talking talking to a, a popsicle stick. But the prompter thing, let me tell you something. Travolta uses it. Um, and here's what's really shocking. If you go to Broadway now, there are f- prompters around on stage. And it is. What? Yes. It's awful. It is awful. And to me, that's totally cheating to me. That you're, not, you're, that you're not allowed to do that. Some people do it. I mean, I don't want to name names, but some people do it and they hide, they, they hide them and the, they build them into the set. And then, you know, and I love, and I look, oh. I love Bruce Springsteen, but, you know, Bruce has just, just blatantly has a, you know, a jumbotron um, on the, on the balcony of, of his one man show. You know, I mean, but, but he had, he has such a library of that, that I understand because he's 71, I think. Right. That one I understand because he has such a a wide library. And I think his, his one man show probably changed up a bunch. Right. But I did not know, oh, maybe I can do Broadway now. See, I've opened up a whole new career for you, dude. Yeah. Yeah, maybe I can finally do Broadway. Your whole performance, though, will be predicated on like looking and in, looking down into the sink because that's where the screen will be hidden or just reading a newspaper the whole time. Yeah, I, I, I love when actors have choices, physical choices that embody their character that don't make a lot of sense. Um, Mar- on, the, on the West Wing, Martin Sheen used to think that the, 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 the most presidential thing he could do to embody being the president would sign would be to sign things. So. Inevitably, you'd be in a scene with Martin as the president, and he would want people to come up and offer him very important documents to sign because he was the president. And he was a lot of work. And he would just sign things randomly. The irony being, of course, the person who probably signs things the least in the world is the president of the United States because it carries so much heft. But always, I always love that kind of the, – the choices that actors make always make me laugh. They're always it's, – it's very illuminating. The busy work. Yeah, the busy work. I'm fascinated – with baskets and I'm really fascinated with I want to be on I, I would so have loved to have been on the phone call or the meeting where you tell the network that hey I have a great idea for my mother Louis Anderson hmm. how did that go down you know I gotta tell you I don't think they cared they really? um FX, or at least the people I dealt with at, at that network, were really, really great about being um, hands-off. And that was, I have to say, it's usually not the case in my, in my little bit of uh, experience with it. There's usually a lot of, inf- there's a lot of opinions and a lot of notes. Uh, but, but on Baskets, we did not, we got real lucky and had a, a supportive you know, the business side of it was real supportive of that show. But the, the reason we chose Louis Anderson was because um, it was his voice. I, I Do you know the actress Brenda Blethyn? I think I'm saying her name. She's yes, an of English course. Actress. I know, of course. And that's who I wanted. I wanted her because I think she she's one of my favorite actresses. Yeah, she's great. Uh, she was not um, free to do it. Or at least that's what she said. Um, and so the voice, the voice was all, it was always about the voice. And uh, somebody had said, what about Louis Anderson? And I said, yeah, that voice. And then that was, that was 
It was as simple as that. Amazing. There was no, oh, can he act? Do we know? Should we put him in makeup? We'll see what he looks It was just, let's do it. And that was it. Well, A, the, the people at FX are really smart. The, 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 you know, there's some the best executives over there in, in, in town. And as we know, executives are, can be a nightmare. Um, but that was how, were you surprised at the way it became so beloved, like in, in a very specific world? I mean, people just, you know, you, 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 you never know, you never know what people are going to respond to. And like, that is a show that just so occupied a very, like there are people who would never know it. And then there are people who think it's their best show that's ever made. Well, so I don't know how many people watch it. I would say probably not that many. I mean, you know, which is fine. I I, I wasn't trying to throw a, a large net. I wanted to do something pretty specific. Yeah. Um, but the, the one thing about that show I noticed, and I've never experienced this before, people would hand make things for the cast. There would be these artists that would send in night lights of the characters or sweaters they had knitted or mugs they have made. I had these beautiful clown mugs that people were just fans of the show. That to me, that connection, it was, I just, that's what that show, I felt more connected to an audience there than, than I, you know, than, than I've ever felt. Not that that's something you really strive for, but you do, I, it was noticeable the love that was uh, that that show. The, those that thought it was good. I mean, look, it wasn't for everybody, and it, it and, and it shouldn't be. Uh, but those that did like it loved it, and that was a that was a thing that I felt. I think that's part of it. Is when when an audience. I just know for my my own sake, when I discover something that I feel like, oh my god, I'm the only person in the world who probably gets this. That you 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 invest in it in a really 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 different way, you know. Like, I, it, you know, it's it's it becomes. You feel like you're a member of a sort of secret society in a way, even if it becomes really successful and a lot of people end up do liking it. If it, if your first experience of it is like, I can't believe this is on TV, or whatever. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what I mean? I mean, I think it's the yeah. highest compliment yeah, I can give anything. Yeah, I can't. Response. But no, that's not my highest compliment is I can't believe that this got made. To me, that is the opening gambit of something I know I'm going to love. Yeah, there was a show, a British show that I watched years ago, 20 years ago. It was a Steve Coogan show. And I don't know if it come to the States, but I was living in England or working in England. And uh, I had found the show called I'm Alan Partridge. Oh, you know of course. That show? Oh, yeah. And I thought. I had been, you know, I'd never known any Americans speak of this show and mm -hmm. I would find people to talk about it. And it was the secret kind of, not secret, but it was this kind of club of people mm -hmm. that knew that show. It, it wasn't a huge known show probably, or at least in the States it wasn't, but I just, just had never seen a comedy like that. Never had seen anything quite like that. So you, okay. So this, I love doing this for, for the, the listeners is like, turning them on to odd stuff that they may, they may, may not have known. So that would be a good one for you. Mine that I keep talking to people about is a very obscure show that I think was on Adult Swim years ago called Wonder Chosen. Did you ever see Wonder Chosen? I was on Wonder Chosen. Wait, what? Oh, how, what? what? Yeah. yeah. Uh, we, uh, me and uh, David Cross and this, this folk, this guy named Will Oldham, 
did a hee haul <laughs> and, and other people, uh, Heather Lawless, uh, we did a hee haul uh, takeoff on Wonder Shows. And you should look it up. It's pretty disturbing. <laughs> oh, I know. Yeah. No, I am uh, so excited. I, no, I, you've made my week. I am so, the minute this is done, I am looking up. So if I just do Wonder Shows and hee haw. I'll probably find it, right? If it's if it exists. It, I think it was called Horse Apples. The name of the show we did was called Horse Apples. Oh my god, I'm writing this. So, um, but you know, it's funny that you bring that show up, Rob, because I I felt that way about that show. I could not believe that that was on television. No. So not the not the stuff necessarily I would that I did that one time, but the other stuff where they would some of it was so dark. And just in the most jaw-dropping way, you know, when it's so new, you haven't seen that on TV. Yeah, those guys were quite brilliant, um, the guys that did that show. My favorite thing about Wonder Shows was Clarence the Purple Puppet. Do you remember him? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He would go up to people in Central did Park and go- Did he usually do it with the kid in the trench coat? No, that was, that was uh, a separate thing, equally as disturbing and genius. Equally <laughs> as disturbing. Yes, that was disturbing. Yes. <laughs> Hold that thought. We'll be right back. Where else can you go surfing and skiing in the same day? Or check out a world-class art museum and camp out under a brilliant night sky same day. Or hike through the redwoods and get a luxury spa treatment. There's only one answer. California. No matter where you go across this state, you will find a way to play. I, look, I love California. Um, and I have not yet surfed and skied in the same day, although I do do both. So that is on my bucket list. It's the most beautiful place in the world. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. So I came home to a little gift in my bathroom the other day from our friends at Harry's. To get what you want, you have to challenge the status quo and blaze your own trail. You know who challenged the status quo? Harry's. They saw customers getting ripped off by questionable products in the shaving industry and decided they had something better to offer. So instead of charging the same old ridiculous prices, Harry's found a way to make their beautifully designed razors, and they are beautiful, for a fraction of the price of the other big brands. Exceptional products, honest prices. That's Harry's. They have the highest customer satisfaction in shaving history and a no-risk trial. Don't like your shave? No worries. It's on them. Convenient subscription options that you can cancel at any time. And Harry's also has other self-care products that meet the same quality standards as their razors. Richly lathering, skin softening body wash and scents like redwood, wildland, and stone, and an extra high quality, amazing smelling deodorant for just five bucks. I love their stuff. I'm so impressed by Harry's products. All of it. It's all good. Don't settle for the status quo. Blaze your own trail with Harry's. Get started with a $13 trial set for just $3 at harrys.com slash rob. That's harrys.com slash rob for a $3 trial set. 
March into spring with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered, one-gig internet for $59.99 per month, plus a $150 gift card and price lock guarantee. This deal gets even better with a free modem, free installation, and free Wi-Fi your way home. Safeguard your network from cyber threats and manage user access for all connected devices with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires May 6, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com. I'm out of the loop. I don't watch anything. I mean, the last movie I saw was Smokey and the Bandit. Big Hal Needham guy, are you? Big, big, huge Hal, Hal Needham connoisseur of his oeuvre? Hal Needham. Yes. Yes, I am. Wow. Nice reference. Hal Needham. Listen, you wind me up with a, a trivia like that, I'm just going to go. I, on, on arts and entertainment trivia, I, I, I think I'm kind of unbeatable. I think. Okay, great. Can I ask you a trivia question that I ask everybody and only one person has ever gotten this right? Yes. Now, I'm going to give you only five seconds to get it right because I Jesus. can't. Lo- I can't. Okay. Okay. I'll give you 10 seconds, Rob. Fuck five. Ready? Yes. yes. Who was Gerald Ford's vice president? Oh, that's a really good one. Nelson Rockefeller. Yep. God, you're the second person. Was I right? Whoa. That was eight seconds. Yeah, that's right. That's not bad. Wow. That's. That's really good. I love, tri- I'm not good at trivia, but I love it. Ask me one. Okay, I got, I got one for you. This is going to be offensive to a lot of people. How, in what manner did Nelson Rockefeller die? Man, I think I would get this multiple choice, but I don't know off the top of my head. I don't okay, I'll give you. Okay, I'll give you a multiple choice. Car accident. Small plane crash. Heart attack while having an affair with the secretary on his desk. <laughs> Which you prefaced it by this. So I, I it's the third one. The third one? What was the third one? I'm not laying See, anyway, just saying the, the third the heart one. Heart attack. Okay. The 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 affair thing, right? That's per, that's pretty much what th- they say. So I don't want to get letters Who's from the a? Wikipedia. I'm just saying, I, I don't want letters from the Nelson Rockefeller estate. That's just, it may be an urban legend, but I've always heard it. Don't you think like there are yeah. things like when you're little and you hear things before the internet, like I'm a kid living in Ohio and somehow that information gets to me. How? So I, I used to listen to Casey Kasem. That was my only connection oh. to the outside world growing up in North Carolina. Oh. And he told me years ago that Prince used to write country here's a here's a trivia what what kind of music who did prince write music for in the country music world i'm guessing dolly parton he wrote a song for kenny rogers wow and i think he wrote a couple of songs for tammy wynette under the name joey coco that's amazing yeah joey coco yeah i'm pretty sure I'm right about that. Oh, no, I just, I just confirmed it the, the other day. Yes, that is, uh, Rolling Stone had an article about it. I don't think they said anything about Tammy Wynette, but they confirmed the Kenny Rogers thing. Yep. Well, you know, um, I listen to Casey Kasem to this day on, I think it's on Sirius. They have pretty much now a channel that all they do is play his American Top 40s from the 70s. And if no. you want to go down a, a wormhole and just, it's amazing. Huh, I would like to give that a listen. And his intros are, 
The next number is a band from from the city by the Great Lakes. Their horn section and America has fallen in love with Chicago. That's pretty good, Casey Kasem. Have you heard the famous Casey Kasem meltdown audio? Oh, is he doing some voiceover stuff and he's kind of agitated and yelling and he doesn't sound very much like Casey Kasem? Yeah, it's the best. I think I've heard that. Really, really disappointed me. <laughs> it's a tr- oh, it's it really it, kind of destroyed my image of him. Here's this moment in the middle of it. He goes, and he goes, and where are those headshots I need to sign? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I think everybody yells that from one time time or time if they've had a little success in, in show business. That's how you know you're, you've Where made it. Where are those it. headshots I need to sign? When you're angry about signing your headshots, you know it's it's you know you're jaded. <laughs> Particularly if you're a guy who's famous for if you're a guy who's famous for nobody knowing what your face looks like. That's my favorite. That's Casey right. Kasem. Yeah, um, his wife was an actress. She was on Cheers. Was she? Yeah, I know too much about Casey Kasem. Have you ever have you ever heard the Barry White? Public service announcement. No. Oh. No. Oh. I don't know that one. I love Barry White. It's Barry, Barry White. Trying. I love Barry White. Trying to read. Trying to read the. It's a. It's a. It's a like a public service announcement for some concert he's going to do and a benefit in Waco, Texas. You have to look this one up, guy. People okay, listening to me, trust me on this one. Casey Kasem's meltdown. Barry White's. Waco, Texas meltdown. And what my favorite thing is, and I agree with him 100% with writing sometimes, is he finally goes, man, they got woods in here they don't even need. And boy, is that not the truth for bad writing. I quote the great Barry White. Barry White says that? Yeah, come on, they got woods in here they don't even need. It's really funny. Oh, I gotta, I'll I'll look that. That'll give me something to do today. Um, Tell me about your time on SNL. I always like to ask everybody about, uh, because I, you know, Always been a fan of it. You know, you have the love-hate relationship with it that I think everybody does. Um, what was your, you wrote for a, a bit, right? Well, I only was there for a couple of weeks. I, they do this thing where they try, uh, they try outriders. Um, I thought I was being hired as a performer. So when I got there, um, I, I realized, oh, I was just gonna, I was going to be a writer, um, which was fine. I mean, listen, it was a, it was a dream. I couldn't believe it. I think I was uh looking for a job and that kind of fell into my lap and uh that was the host of the show that week the two weeks i was there was britney spears and then john goodman and then neil young was the guest musical guest and the john goodman uh yeah that was a listen i I, i'm not i'm not um i just i think as a comic that seems to be or at least in my age group, that was such a dream to even be able to go see how they did that show and to be a fly on the wall in the writer's room was, and that's kind of how I, I didn't know what I was doing. I'd never written, I was doing stand up, but I had never written uh, 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 sketches to turn in. And it was not easy because it's, you know, it's not, I don't know if supportive is necessarily the uh, the word I would use there, but but you you know you're new there. It's I think in show business, especially as a stand up, you get a thick skin, and it my my things just bombed very badly. <laughs> I mean, 
I think I could hear the air conditioner on the floor below us. Um, it was bad. <laughs> pitch me, pitch me one. I, do you remember any of them? Oh, I didn't remember exactly what they were. Well, I remember one of them that bombed so hard, I should say, which was this, uh, I'd written something for Britney Spears, two things. Uh, one of them was, I wanted Will Ferrell to play a, a uh, security guard to her belly button. And we were going to shrink Will Ferrell down to just hang out inside of her belly button because her belly button was always exposed then. And I thought she needed <laughs> to protect it. Um, that, that, I mean, I've never seen a tumbleweed go through a, 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 an office before, <laughs> but that, I mean, a tumbleweed, it feel like a tumbleweed went right across the writer's room table uh, and a cricket riding it. Um, but it was, uh, it was, that was, you know, I, I'm not offended that no one liked it. It was probably bad, oh my but, God, um, amazing. yeah, you hope that your idea will get in, but you know, it's, 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 it's a, it's clickish and as it will, as it should be, but I was a dream to be there. I don't have any regrets. And I ended up hosting it a few times, which was nice. Oh, that's, that's, that's a, uh, a triumphal return for sure. I, I love the, the notion of you pitching i mean i know you don't directly pitch lauren but i love the idea of like so it's britney spears her belly button we want to shrink will into it he's going to protect it from the public Mm -hmm. and lauren would go Mm -hmm. right and then you know you're fucked (laughs) well i remember pitching something to britney spears just the two of us so i got a little office she was very nice. She came in, you know, I was nervous because I don't know what I'm doing. This poor young lady, I don't know how, how, what our age differences are, but it seems similar at the time. I probably was much older, but I go, uh, she goes, what do you have for me? And I go, well, <laughs> you're being interviewed by entertainment tonight. There's no jokes. And during the middle of the interview, you just start bleeding from the mouth. <laughs> and she looks at me. And then she looks at the ground and then I looked at the ground and she looks back up at me. I look at her and she goes, yeah, that's funny. And that was it. But I never wrote that one out. Uh, That one I never wrote out. I I just, I I couldn't figure out what that would have been, but uh, yeah, that I remember pitching one-on-one to her, which was fun. But see, if that had made it on the show, I would have loved it. And I would have thought, I can't believe this made it on TV. And it's that thing we're talking about of like, you go, Oh, this is made. This is made just for me. Yeah, yeah. There's. There, I, I think those sketches on Saturday Night Live that that are maybe towards the end of the night, or the ones that you know th- that work in the writers' room, but you know might not work with the studio audience. You, you know how it works. I mean, yeah. what makes comics laugh oftentimes does not make an audience laugh. So you have to you have to wait on that a little bit. So. Uh, but but I always find that I, I'm, I have more of a uh, I like the weirder things that they that they pull out. Sometimes I, I love the, the weird sketches they do. You know what else I love? Because com- the taste in comedy. you said I read a quote for you that's we're talking about between two ferns and whether you wanted to do more of it or not was that you and I don't want to put words in your, in your mouth, but you just said, you know, comedy tastes change fairly rapidly. And what what works now may not work then. And 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 then you you really you really see, see all that. So particularly on, on, on SNL, when, when you look back and go, I'm not sure that was, 
You know what I mean? I mean, it's like uh, it's a young people, you know, you know, it's a young man's game, as Lauren would say. I agree. I I agree with that, Lauren. Uh, It's not it's a young person's. I mean, I think when you're younger, comedy and you're trying to get into the comedy business, I lived and breathed it. I woke up thinking about it. I mean, I kind of still do. But when you're young and eager, um, man, it just is, for me, it was so thrilling to to be in that, that whole world, even in the open mic world. You know, I was from a small town in North Carolina. We didn't, I mean, it was just so different growing up and to be in that world of these creative people. It just was so thrilling, so, so thrilling. But it, I do think it's a younger person's game too. sometimes comedy. Uh, not to say that older people are not hilarious and funny and it can continue, but it seems the energy, at least the American comedy seems, seems to be in uh, uh, locked in the 20s and 30s for people that age group. For sure. And, you know, the other thing, I, it, and even within that age group, what people think is, I, I, it's always stunning to me what people think are funny and not funny. And, you know, their show, you know, my, you know, my friend Charlie Sheen was on Two and a Half Men and huge, huge, huge hit. And then you watch Big Bang Theory, another massive. I mean, we should all be so lucky to have such a big hit. I, I, I've never, I've n- never cracked a smile. And the only time I did crack a smile is when, have you ever seen one of those episodes where they've taken the laugh track out. Have you seen this thing on YouTube? <laughs> Have you seen it? It's amazing. No. no oh, you, uh, so, so you've got a good little homework list for when we're done. Oh here. my God. What a great idea. It's the absolute greatest thing ever. Big bang theory without the laugh track. See, I've always thought they should add a laugh track to intervention. Oh my God! It's a terrible joke. Don't put that in there. That's a terrible. It's oh, a terrible joke. Did you ever oh, see the uh, the episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, which I love? I love that show. I think it shows absolutely genius. And they they put a security camera in their mother's home because she'd fallen a bunch, and they wanted to keep an eye on her. And but when they put the camera in, her life became a sitcom, and there's a laugh track suddenly in her life. <laughs> it's amazing. That's great. I've that's good. I, there's a show. There's a show again. Oops. I am. I just watched because we're in the pandemic and I, I, I don't I just watched 30 Rock for the first time. Oh, I'm on a deep dive myself. It's so it, Tina Fey oh. to me is the Mark Twain of our. I mean, she, she's I don't know if it's underrated, whatever that is. She's she's so great to me. She's so great. I have a, uh, on the show I'm shooting there, I have a friend who's a, and we, every day at work, we come in, we're on the, this binge of 30 Rock and we come in with a Jack Donaghy line. Every day we have to come with our favorite deck in there. It just never ends. I mean, you know, with, with her coming in and saying, wow, you're, you're in a tuxedo. He goes, it's after six lemon. I'm not a farmer. I mean, it just <laughs> one, one. I mean, they, they and the joke and the, some of the jokes that they, they do, you you just can't, you cannot believe. No. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah the humor thing and and humor, yeah, humor's kind of gotten attacked and 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 or at least put under a microscope lately, and and rightfully so, I think, rightfully so. But I think the other part of that discussion is, hey, that's how some people communicate to try to make a point. Yeah. 
meaning just because I've said a trigger word that's not very PC, that's not the issue. The issue is I'm trying to, I've said stuff on stage that on paper probably look, well, they are, they're terribly offensive, but I play a dumb guy on stage. So I feel like whatever I say is what a dumb guy would ridiculous. Yeah. That's my point. That's my point is, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I wish that was part of the dis- discussion in all this is I wish there was more of an anthropological look. That's the only long word I know. That's why I always bring it up in every podcast. It's My wife is always like, will you stop saying anthropological? Like, hey, look, it's the only thing I can get out without, it, without me stuttering. Um, <laughs> but I, I do wish that there was more of a social science what's going on in our world with everything. Uh, I don't hear a lot of that uh, or the why we're, you know, why we're in this place that we're in. Um, look, young men in America are told... Look at beer commercials. We're idiots. <laughs> We're supposed to be one way. And I feel like that should be discussed. Why, why, why uh, you know, we're, a lot of men are jerks. We're marketed to. And I wish that was discussed more and more and more. I really do. Because I don't think a lot of this stuff that gets men into trouble is, not, is necessarily innate in us. I think it's the way we're supposed to be through the American society. Yes. You know, there's also cameras everywhere. You know, it, it, there's just society has shifted. And, and look, I think every cop should be filmed. I really do. But I, I just wonder where we're all going with all this stuff. Uh, just, what, where are we going to end up? I'm thinking down the road a little bit. What does this all mean? Well, it's funny. I I've even kind of- even like even like the company Amazon, right? Okay, you go work for Amazon as an actor or whatever. If you know the big business practices of Amazon, you're very creeped out by it. At least I am. Interesting. It's the data mining they're doing is, and and I just wish artists or actors or whatever would just pause. And go, what machine are we feeding? What are we feeding? But don't you, I've kind of made the calculation that in that, and this is going to sound awful, like, but like the horse is out of the barn. They know everything about me. They can listen to me. They can watch me. They know what I like. They know what I don't like. They know every, like privacy as it's always been defined is over and has been for a long time. There's no putting the genie back in the bottle. And that's, and at the end of the day, what, what, what is it really, other than the fact that, God, how creepy, other than that, and which is creepy, like, it's, what do you, you know, like, I just don't know how you put the genie back in the bottle. Am I just being well, a total I, I will, idiot? I think Europe has a few protections with, so in France, I think there's a right to be forgotten. Ooh, what's that? I love that phrase. That's a great phrase. Right? So I think Google doesn't have the power over to always have every bit a piece of you online that in France, and look, I'm talking out of turn. I should probably read up on this more, but I, there is a right to be forgotten law. And I think Europe has a little bit, their privacy laws are much more strict there. So I think, I think there are things we can do. I mean, what can you do that doesn't require a goddamn computer or your phone Yeah, in society now? 
And I know that's convenience, but we're going to pay for that convenience. Yes, that's very true. It, it comes at a price. So I just, I just, I, and not to, it's a boring subject to some people, but I'm pretty fascinated by it because I, I do wonder where all of this ends up. What, what good does it do? I, to me, it gives a lot of power to a few people. And that really scares me. That's a problem for sure. But then again, I, I look back and I go, listen, if we were in the, I want to, I want to get the decade right, the time, but let's say the thirties, if we were in the thirties, we would be freaked out about William Randolph Hearst. He'd be our Mark Zuckerberg or Jeff Bezos. Like we'd be like, 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 mm. you know, his William Randolph Hearst and those papers helped get us into World War One. I, I think it was, whatever it was, World War One was in the teens, obviously, but, but you know, um, Mm. Uh, so I think it's like anything. It's, it's, there are only seven stories. Is that what Joseph Conrad says? And you know, the stories keep playing out, but it's like anything. Our, our world is on steroids. So it may have been that way with, with, with them then, but now it's just, just on steroids. Like everything is today. Yeah. I find, I find, uh, I just wish things would be quieter. I just think, I don't know. That's why I, I, I'm not a, I used to be a night person because I was a drinker and this, and I'm now a morning person because it's the only calm I feel is in the morning. I think Regina Spector has such a great line. It's something like the mornings are wiser than the nights. Mm. I've always liked that line. That's but, a really good uh, one. I mean, you know, as I, as you get older and I have kids and all this stuff, you, you're you're you think about things you didn't think about before so it's it's kind of a fun new way of thinking of being protective or all, all that or, or wondering about society more and more uh but you know when i first moved to los angeles i would get frustrated because i just noticed people were just talking about brady bunch reunion uh brady bunch stuff I'm like episodes of brady but i'm like what did everybody just get reared on television and that's all we have to talk about I miss those days so much because now it's so heavy, right? It's everything's so heavy. Um, it is heavier but, for, yeah. for sure. And I'm always Very down. Heavy, yeah. I'm always down to clown with the Brady Bunch. Listen, you don't have to, you know, you know, drag me into that. Yeah, I got a lot of theories. <laughs> and we'll be right back after this. Hey, listeners, ever have trouble getting someone on the phone when you have a question about your credit card? With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person any time, day, or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Shopping for humans is hard. Shopping for your dog is easy. Thanks to Bark. Every month, we deliver toys and treats just for your pup. They deserve to be spoiled every month. At Bark, we send your dog a whole collection of toys and treats made just for them Every single month, whether it's our fun plush toys or our ultra tough toys from Super Chewer, we give your dog exactly what they want. And for a limited time, we will double your first box for free. To get your free upgrade, go to BarkBox.com slash Rob. BarkBox 
is so convenient and delivers straight to your door and more importantly, right to your dog. I can't wait to try out BarkBox. My dogs need their toys, particularly the chewable toys. Sign up now at BarkBox.com Rob for an exclusive offer. This ad is now over. Let's get back to petting our dogs. I love fast cars, but there aren't a ton of high-performance EVs. They're certainly out here, there. But when I, when I get a chance to get behind the wheel of one, it's, I love it. And I was blown away by the Kia EV6 GT. When you get behind the wheel of the Kia, it, it is literally like being in a state-of-the-art rocket ship, but also comfortable. The thing goes from zero to 60 in 3.4 seconds. It is the premium driving experience. And of course, it's an EV. So the climate thanks you. SiriusXM provides access to over 165 channels in the vehicle. Music, sports, news, comedy, yacht rock. Let's go. Little, little steely Dan going in your Kia. Come on now. So check it out today. It is the all-electric Kia EV6 GT. I had a blast checking it out. Believe me, you should do it yourself via kia.com slash EV6. To learn more, that is kia.com slash EV6. Kia, movement that inspires. Hey, Rob, what, what, what age did you start acting? I just, out of curiosity. I started in community theater in Ohio when I was eight. And always wanted to do it. Was a total idiot. Did have no idea what what that even meant. Um, and then between really, really being diligent, like like laser freaky, weird little kid type, focused on it, and some blind luck and events like you know my parents' divorce, which was terrible, but the divorce led to my mom moving to California. And being in California, mm. put me in a place where I get, so all these kind of things had to happen along with just crazy, freaky, bizarre ambition out of a kid, mm. Um, mm. sort of put me where I am. Eight years old, child actor. And, Let me entertain you. Shut up. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Uh, that was me. Uh, <laughs> Were you complaining about signing your headshots back then? Oh, I was, I would go to school and be like, Hey, I got these headshots. And like the surfers were like, yeah. And just pound the shit out of me. <laughs> hey guys, I did community theater in Ohio. Who wants to be my friend? Exactly. That was not, an, it was not a great opening gambit at all. Yeah. By the way, now mm-hmm. I think, honestly, now I think every sing, every other kid has headshots because the business wasn't like it was today. I mean- there was no, there was no MTV. There was no CW. There was no Marvel. There was no nothing. There was no, there's no Us Magazine. None of it. So the the only time the a only lot thing, more jobs. Oh, everything's kid centric today. Every 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 third kid in Santa Monica High School has an agent. Not not when I yeah that's started. That's, yeah. Um, tell me about your yeah, ski movie. I want to know about the ski movie. Who's in the ski movie? Oh, the one that just came out 20 years ago? Yes, the one that just um, came out. Am I, okay, so am I right? Did I just see this like showing up on in on my Netflix or whatever? Because I feel like I've seen it recently. Oh, I don't I don't know where you one can see it. I don't know. I will say this. I, was at a, I went skiing last weekend. 
and I had my mask on and I had a knit hat on. You could see this much of me. And the guy goes, last time I saw you was in a ski movie with Lee Majors. That's amazing. Like, How did you know? But anyway, uh, yeah, I did a snowboarding movie actually with uh, Lee Majors. Uh, about 20 years ago. Oh, so it's yeah. even worse than I think it is. <laughs> so if it's, a, if, it's, if it's a snowboarding movie, it's even worse than I think it is. Oh, I thought you were saying, oh, Lee Majors is in it. Uh, no, yeah, it's, <laughs> um, it's <laughs> no, no. It's, uh, it was a snowboarding movie that I think uh, in a strange way, I know, look, I haven't seen it since it was released, but my gut is it holds up. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it does. You know, I, I don't know. I don't know why. I don't know why. I mean, but I, I will say this, not to be name droppy, but. I got cast once in a movie by Sean Penn. He directed this movie I was in called uh, Into the Wild. Oh, yeah, of course. Uh, he called me and he asked me to be in it. And then I got the, and then I said, yes. And then when I worked on it, I said, I, I had to ask him, I said, uh, how, why did you call me, me? Like, he goes, well, my son saw that my son and I were watching this snowboarding movie you did with Lee Majors. Unbelievable. <laughs> so I got, I got cast, uh, into into the wild with the because of that movie. I I sometimes mentor young actors, and I one of the things I always tell them is you. Is that what you're calling it? <laughs> <laughs> no, is that is that? Oh my god, that's too good. I think we know what. This yeah, why don't you just say grooming? <laughs> yes, I I think we just found the title for this episode. Quote: Is that what you're calling it? Question mark. Oh my God. That's so I sometimes groom young actors. And um, (laughs) one of the things that I, that I tell them is they, um, that you never, in all seriousness, you never, you never know what's going to come of any job, like good, bad, and different. It's like, usually yes is the answer. And that's exactly why you do this snowboarding movie. It is what it is, whatever. And the next thing you know, Sean Penn, one of the greats has cast you. I had that with, Richard Eyre, who ran, ran the National Theater and is, you know, made a, a ton of a ton of great movies. One of the great directors, like, the, the, like you know, really an intellectual called cold called me and asked me to star opposite Dame Maggie Smith in Tennessee Williams wow. suddenly last summer for uh, the BBC. Wow. And I did it and it was great. Wow. And I asked him what, how because he just called me and he said he'd see me in Wayne's World. What the hell? So you just don't know. You never know. Yeah, you never know. You never. Yeah, it's a strange business. Maybe what, maybe what it really yeah. is, the stupider the movie, the more likely you are to get good work out of it. Maybe that's what we've uncovered anthropologically. Then I should be working a lot. <laughs> I should um, be in a lot of things. <laughs> that's, that's the case. When you interviewed Barack Obama, President Obama, on Between Two Ferns, did they... Did the Secret Service like were they were they around you in case you asked something that was they didn't want? Were they going to like wrestle you to the floor between the ferns? There was a small staff that came in with Obama, his uh, what do they call? I think his press secretary, who was actually the other person that got that Gerald Ford question right. Really, President Obama didn't know the Gerald. President Obama did not know. I always knew I was smarter than Obama. (laughs) Please, I always knew I was smarter than that guy. Uh, but his press person did. Um, but yeah, that was, I don't really remember. I, I was pretty nervous doing that. And I wanted to use my nervous energy because I'm, a, you know, 
I always feel like I don't belong wherever I am, especially a White House, especially interviewing a president. Um, so he came with some pretty good comic chops. Mm. And on Between Two Ferns, we, we usually don't, um, or you never, never really give anybody the, the answers or questions. Sure. But because he was the president and also he, uh, he was he limited on time, we, we, I think we did share some of the questions, but he didn't know a lot of them, I don't think. And he did it. We did it twice in a row and then it was done. I think we did it in 10 minutes or so. I, 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 again, I, I'm not wow. really one to ask because I, I, I was kind of out of my body a little bit there, but I, I really imagine. And then he called me afterwards and called my cell phone about three days later. Oh, whoa, whoa, stop, stop, stop. Ha- cell phone rings. This is awesome. Yeah. Do you get please hold for the president or is it just, hey, I mean, how does that? How- so if I don't, oh God, it sounds so arrogant to go, God, I don't remember. Was it Valerie? Jarrett? <laughs> no, it, <laughs> it was, I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure it was Valerie Jarrett who, who called me and said, hey, uh, so I have somebody wants, she was calling to thank me about some about that. Uh, um, and then she said, somebody wants to talk to you. And uh, he gets on the phone. And I remember I was at, I was at a construction site. I was at a construction site by myself. And I've told this story before, but um, so he calls me. Uh, I'm at this construction site. We chat. And he says, I hope this I hope this betters your career. And I almost said to him, I almost said to him, I hope it does yours too. But at that point, the, the, the sketch part of it was over. So it was nothing but respectful. You know, I didn't want to, and uh, we hung up and I didn't have any way to valid, uh, validate to, to, to document that that phone call had just happened to me. So I just took a picture of the chair I was sitting next to at this, in this, the chair I was sitting in at this construction site, and I still have the photo. It's just an old chair next to a traffic cone. <laughs> that's where, that's the spot I got to talk to President Obama when he called me on the phone. Um, but yeah, that was a real, real thrill. But also, I am for, I mean, what we were trying to do is get, you know, people covered for their, you know, for Obamacare. And so that, layered with it was just kind of a a real honor to be a part of did you shoot it at the white house was it did i hear you say Mm -hmm. you did it at the white house yes because so we actually at the end of it so usually we have we always have this black background Mm -hmm. but in that one he pushes the uh there's this button in the middle he pushes it and the black drops down and we reveal we're actually in a, you know, one of the state rooms in the White oh, House. Wow. So if you go back and look at it, yeah, it's actually the real White House. Yeah. That's a trip. And, and, and also, also, I was pretty nervous that day. And I remember being twice reprimanded by uh, White House uh, staff, not staff, but um, yeah, I guess staff. I was, one time I got, I was sitting on this old, I don't know, Thomas Jefferson's chair that had been roped off. And I didn't realize it. And it happened twice. This security person goes, why are you still sitting on, like, don't you see the, ro-? I, I was so embarrassed. I, I, I just, you know, look, I'm, I'm from the mountains of North Carolina. We don't know. I don't know what I'm doing. That's amazing. <laughs> so, 
Yeah, but it was it was quite an honor, and and uh, obviously, uh, yeah, that was that was a that was a fun time. He's sure. funny, man. It's like it's so it's just so charming and winning when when our leaders have a sense of humor about themselves. Like it, I I played JFK, and I did so much research, and there was so much great footage undiscovered if you kind of dig around. And I watched one of his press conferences from start to finish, hmm. and it was like a stand up act. Hmm. I mean, it was. He's unbelievably charming, so self-deprecating, um, like this, the level of self-deprecation is yeah. off the charts and yeah. the press is just lapping it up. And, and, and Obama had that too on the White House Correspondents Dinner. Have you ever been to one of those things where it's the, it's the press corps and the president gets roasted and then he gets up and then roasts everybody? He always used to crush at that. I was at the one that he with Trump and I was about 10 feet away from Trump. And they say they say, as you know, they say that was when Trump decided to run for president. That's what that's what people look on Trump's face. Looking back. uh, uh, That that look. So that man doesn't know what to do with humor. Right. He's so insecure. Yeah, he was he, he He, he didn't laugh at all during that. Didn't laugh one bit. I watched him. I've watched the his roast on Comedy Central, too, and it's kind of oh. the same. It's like you go when you're on a roast. The point is like I I did, and which I also did one of those. The harder you get roasted, that's the point. Like I loved it. Like the harder they hit me, the more fun it was. Yeah, yeah. Humor to to somebody like Trump does it. It to me, it's his Achilles' heel. I mean, I really do think it is. I don't think he would know what to do with being made fun of. I mean, he got made fun of a lot by the last four years, but I just think one-on-one, if I were ever in a room with that guy, I would just, you know, take him down with humor. Yeah. Because humor is the greatest bull. Humor is the greatest bullshit detector. Um, I, 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 the other thing I want to ask you about really quickly, this is the greatest quote of yours I came up with. <laughs> that you made up. That I came up with. Yeah, I came up with it. Well, it's got to be better than any quote I've said. Um, Zach, I want you to have said, um, the underlying truth is that leading people, men and women, have to be good looking in Hollywood. And that to me is weird. It's like Hitler's dream. I love it. It's great. Hmm. Did you say it? Do you remember saying it? I did say that. So good. I, here's my thing. I guess my point of that is, are, are we still at a point where we got to look at really beautiful people to tell us yes. stories or, or yes. can we just, yes, yes. we are. <laughs> yes. Well, we look, are. I'm, I'm as shallow as anyone with that stuff. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, we like to look at pleasant people. They're more fun to look at, but I don't know. I, I think some of the more interesting stories come from, from those that are not, I don't know. I don't think Hollywood needs to Hollywoodize its stories a lot of times. That's, I well, guess that's kind of my issue. I agree with you, but I, I think it's in a very specific area of Hollywood where you see it. Like I can, I can just tell you when I, when I came up, I lost and n- nobody's going to have a, a benefit for me. I, un- I understand this is not going to engender a ton of sympathy, but if I had a list of all the parts I lost because I was, they thought of, of the way I looked like they, like, Oh, you can't play a cop. A cop would never look like you. So I'm on the other side, on the other side of that conversation. And you're on, the, on one other side of it is like, I feel like also in the seventies, it was mm-hmm. the antihero where the movie stars, you know, you had Dustin, you had De Niro, mm-hmm. you had Richard mm-hmm. Dreyfus, 
you have, mm-hmm. and, and, you, and it goes on and on and on. And then all of a sudden, now we're living in, back in the era of kind of like the, the pop idol movie stars again, it seems like. And for sure on TV, I, for sure on TV, like there's a, I like to watch the show called Station 19. It's because I'm on a show about firemen. So I like to watch all the other firemen shows and and th- those firemen all have headshots. One hundred percent. I know they do. You know what I mean? And that I'm right, like, right. We could use yeah. a little grit, I think, in the world. Right. I, I guess, yeah, the, 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 pretty, the prettiness of Hollywood and it's, you know, I get it. It's, it's human nature. I just, I, in books, is that always the case? Do, 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 are, when your protagonists in books, are they, are they a lot of times described as chiseled or beautiful? Not really, right? That, that's not the onus. The books but, I read, they are. But but the visual, I don't know. I, I, you know, look, you do interviews, Rob. You say things you don't even know what you're talking. I don't. I, I, people say, "Did you ever say this?" And I'm going, "Yeah, I guess I did." This is a polygraph. You know, it's just a conversation. This is right. a polygraph. I, I, you know, I'm holding you to it. No, it, it makes. By the way, is the like, No, 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 no. Don't misunderstand me. Um, no, 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 Zach. Don't misunderstand. I agree 100. percent I don't want to come across as like on the other side of on the wrong side of history. Very good. V- v- vis-a-vis good-looking people. Um, now you're you, doing Lauren Green. Yes. Big Big Valley. <laughs> there's an actor. No, there's an actor, right? Lauren. No, no. Green. Big Valley was he was uh, your boy uh, Lee Majors. Yeah. Lauren Green was Bonanza, Lauren, Lauren I believe. Green was was Bonanza. Yes. yes, that's right. Yes. Yeah. Can, can you imagine? Yeah. Um, the thing is, a blizzard is coming, and the cattle need to be moved. To the North 40. Lauren Michaels as Lauren Green. Oh my, you and I may have just stumbled onto something great. Um, yeah, I'll see it. Yeah. You'd better get off my land now. <laughs> it's not bad. It's not bad. So, so ridiculous. Um, okay. I, sometimes I like to do hacky questions. Not well, but, but I'm sure there are people that think this whole thing has been hacky. I'm sure. I don't want to, like, you know, presuppose anything. But, um, I, this is where I'm going into hacking. So tell me what you're working on now. Zero. I mean, I'm. Um, what am I working on? I don't have any any. I mean, there's a movie that's coming out, but I don't. I haven't seen it, and I don't know if it really will come out uh, when they say it will. Um, but I don't have anything that I'm doing. I'm trying to think of some things to do. Yesterday, I cut firewood for about two hours. That's I, today. I, I have. I'm going to go get some more firewood. That's what I have coming out. Great. Um, have you talked to Bradley Cooper lately? <laughs> uh, yeah, not lately. But I've talked to him within the pandemic. Did was there a lot of hijinks on the set? I can only imagine yes, we, those crazy well, people. Actors you, have nothing better to do than prank each other all day long. I hate that narrative. Uh, prank, uh, what is that about, by the way? So, you, you, I, I'm so glad you brought this up. If I had a nickel for every time they're like, so on the outsiders, were you guys just like playing jokes on each other? And it's like, did you ever, did you ever surprise Martin Sheen with anything? And it's like, what the fuck? What? We're making a movie or a TV I know, show. I don't understand. I don't, I know. I, I, they, I mean, it's fun to make a TV show, but there's work to be done. I mean, I'm trying to think if I ever pranked anyone. Can you imagine? Oh. Can you imagine like the law review interviewing like, you know, 
when she was alive, Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Do you like ever like like surprise Clarence Thomas from behind or something? Or like what kind of hijinks do you guys get into? You're like, what the what? Yeah, Justice Alita used to be on all fours behind behind someone. They pushed the other justices down. Yeah, that's that's one of their great pranks we used to do. Yeah. Famous Alito. Did I call yeah, Alito. What was his yeah. name? Yeah, Justice Alito. Yeah. yeah. Or yeah. Scalia, maybe. Yeah. There was both. There was Scalia Scalia's and Alito. Scalia is who was actually who I was thinking of. Well, he was the funny uh, one. He was the prankster. Everybody knows that. He was. Well, just, he and Ginsburg oh. got along, right? But politically, they were so polar opposite, right? Yeah. That was yeah. the whole thing. Um, I have an interesting story about that dude. Oh, do tell. Uh, oh. oh. Boy, is he good. <laughs> oh, look at. Uh, oh, we're going to have that. We'll have this one offline. Oh, you. You cheeky, we will. I would cheeky. love to tell you. It's not that juicy, but it's it's interesting for sure. I don't even know what my hacky interviewer would do with that, except pivot to something as banal as humanly possible. Um, God, that's a good see banal. I know that word. Thank God. That's because you you know Duke is close by. I mean, you did see some <laughs> smart people. I used to date a, a girl, a, a young lady from Duke. I think she's a brain surgeon now. Uh, mm-hmm. Greek Greek lady uh but yeah the duke the duke people and and uh, where i went to school we didn't mingle if you know what i mean hatfields and mccoys <laughs> tell me about your audition for fraser i don't want to blow it you, do you remember it oh man did i talk about that once you must have because i've got the info well all i remember is i auditioned for fraser once and the feedback was, is I needed to take a bath. That's it. I think that was the, that was the only feedback. Yep. <laughs> Which, you know, I was used to that feedback. <laughs> no, um, I, uh, I, I just was so uh, embarrassed that that was, <laughs> I mean, I, I am a bather. But I was going to say, did you, a, was it true? Did you need to take a bath? I mean, full disclosure, it has been a couple of days since I bathed, but, but I, uh, no, I'm just not, a, I wasn't a, I'm just not much of a groomer. Uh, they just, they were being very judgmental in that casting office. And I just, looking back, I just, I mean, I've been, I've been in the middle of an audition before and had female, female casting directors go, hold on, stop. Are you gay? What? <laughs> what? Mm-hmm. What? The, the first, the, yeah, swear to God, the first laugh I ever got at an audition in that, Hollywood town was I'd been there for a while and finally I get a laugh in an audition. The problem was it was the first drama I had ever auditioned for. <laughs> they were laughing. They were laughing at me and there were 17 people in the room and I stopped and I went, what are you laughing at? Oh no. And hmm. to see them squirm like that, I was playing a, a pilot where you had to go, okay, fire to the left, fire to the right or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. And you know, in a fold-up chair, and uh, I—that was the first laugh because they were laughing at me. Uh, so yeah, I, the audition process is uh, never was for me. I was never good at it. Yeah, I I, I kind of collect horrible audition stories. I think they're great. I would do a coffee table book about horrible auditions. I think, I think that's, that's a great idea. Don't you think? And 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 people's earliest headshots. Oh God! If you saw mine, oh, bad. It's a scratch and sniff. No, um, that's an old joke. Um, I'm going to do that one of these days, and you'll be. I'll put you on the cover. 
So my wife has a wall of my friend's first headshots in the house. No. Oh, can you She's please? She's not an actress, but there are some people. There's one that you would not believe her headshot. You wouldn't believe it. Come on. Who is it? You can tell me. I can't say. I can't say. Oh. I'm, I'm too. I'm, I'm too. Yeah, I can't say. Oh. Uh, but it's really funny. The, the last commercial audition I went on, you know, for commercials. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It was years and years ago. I remember I had to drive to Burbank. And I remember they were like, okay, we need you to get on all fours and eat a cracker. <laughs> sure. And my point is, I don't mind getting on all fours and eating a cracker if I came up with the idea. <laughs> the fact that somebody else is asking me, I have an issue with that. And I never could do it. I, I was like, I, I, I'd rather live in my car. Yeah. Which I was doing, you know, I mean, not that I have integrity. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, you have to kind of put that behind you a little bit, but <laughs> that, that commercial audition process is, uh, it's humiliating to, you know, a y- young kid. And it, it probably had nothing to do with even crackers or being on all fours. There was like, Hey, this guy would, really- it was a dog for, it was a dog food commercial. Oh, okay. The cracker well, then- was representing the dog food. Okay. I guess. Yeah. So the, the the stuff that no one will ever know the things that we've had to endure. Zach. Hey, Rob, if you ever came on between two ferns, I just thought of a great first joke I would say about you. Hit me. You're going to, you're going to love this. Okay. Ready? ready. So ready. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my first guest, Mark McGrath. <laughs> <laughs> That's not bad. Uh, that okay? Well, I'm not gonna have these tips put streaks put back it's in the, the highlights. It's, it's, it's the, the highlights. highlights. The fucking, did you get you know, burned in your fire show? You know what? I'm on my fire show. The lighting is a little dark, and 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 if I don't put have these highlights in, it looks like I'm wearing a fucking helmet. Thank you. And now I'm totally um I'm feeling very bad about it. I'm. It's good. It's fortuitous though, because see, there's a good word. It's fortuitous because I'm supposed to be having. My hair cut and colored, and I'm I'm saying take out the McGrath, demographic. De- how how I did a pilot with Mark McGrath years ago. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. I he became he became a correspondent for some, didn't he? For a minute, like he was like on E as a as a host. Oh, I thought he worked for Foreign Affairs magazine. Oh, that was it. <laughs> That's what it was. By the way, I saw I saw Sugar Ray live. Those guys fucking. We'll be right it. back with the world's worst bragger. Look, I don't know if that's one of your ice. I don't know if that's one of your icebreakers at parties, but I would really, really not do that one anymore. That's, that doesn't give me cred. <laughs> I saw Sugar Ray lot. Zach Galifianakis, this has been great. I have to pee so badly right now; it's insane. Like I've gotten to the point where, like, I'm an old. I don't know what. It's like when it comes on, it comes on, and I, I'm ending this interview not because you're not interesting or I, I, this hasn't been great. But I need an adult diaper because this is this is it's on right now. I'm fleeing the studio to pee. Rob, can I tell you that I've already peed three times during the interview? And I have to tell you, it's not as uncomfortable as you would think. No, the warmth is good for about 10 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I, I buy my underwear from Ziploc, so I'm fine. So good. 
Um, this is great. Thanks love, for having me, Rob. I love. Uh, thank you for coming on. Really, truly, I know we were trying to figure it out for a long time, and I'm so glad you did it. This was, it was, it was great. I mean, I feel like I could talk to you for a, a thousand years. Well, uh, just take your microphone into the bathroom. Let's keep going. Um, no, uh, thanks for ha- thanks for having me. All right, Zach. Let's. Uh, I hope our paths cross in the wilderness one day. Rob, hey, when I see you in town, as they say, don't act oh, like yeah. you've never talked to me because that that's where I get really bummed out. In that town. I, I promise you. Know, you I, I, I'll see Ed Helms. Hey, Ed. He'll stare at me. Ed, we work together on three movies. Our wives are friends. Oh, Ed Helms is an asshole. Everybody knows that. I'm kidding. I'm oh, kidding. God, everybody, everybody knows. Most unlikable person. One of the nicest the Nicest men. man, that dude. He really is. Sweetheart. All right, Zachy. Sweet I man. literally am peeing my All right, ass. guys. Goodbye. I'm going to be, go, be right go, back. Go. Bye. Thank you. Ah! Bye-bye. Ah, oof, that was a close one. In case you're wondering, I made it to the bathroom. The only thing more satisfying than, than that interview, which was, I, I hope you liked it as much as I did, was peeing after it. Oof, so good. Anyway, um, how funny is he? That, he is such a quick man. And he and I had never met. Um, you know, a lot of times I have friends on the show and... Which is which is a whole great. I love those conversations, but I also really like getting to know somebody, and I really feel like I got to know him um, in this talk, and he did not disappoint. I hope you liked it as much as I did. Um, there's more to come next week. Please come back. In fact, download. I hope you guys have downloaded the whole thingamabob of literally. You're not just like cherry picking your favorite episodes. Oh, I like this person. I like that person. Like, watch the whole. Listen to the whole thing, would you? All of them are good. Just download, just, just say, I'm, I'm, I'm doing it whole season. Do that, would you? All right. It is time for the Lowdown Line. Hello. You've reached literally in our Lowdown Line, where you can get the lowdown on all things about me, Rob Lowe. 323-570-4551. So have at it. Here's the beep. Hey, Rob, this is Kim Keedy from Louisville, Kentucky. So today you wake up and you decide to write a screenplay set in Dayton, Ohio. Yes, that's right. What story would you tell and who would you cast? Name three people you really want to work with outside of yourself. And that's my question for today. I've read all your books, love your podcast, and hope you have a great day. Thanks. Thank you, Kim, for calling in. And also thank you for reading the books. Always like to hear that. Um, Well, there's two things at play here. There's what I would write about Dayton, Ohio, and who I would cast, and then who my three favorite people are. So I got to figure out, do my three favorite people... Oh, actually, I was worried about having my three favorite people be able to be in my Dayton, Ohio story. So Joaquin Phoenix is, I think, my favorite actor at the moment. And I think he's going to play Pepin. Pepin was the neighborhood hood in Dayton, Ohio, who may or may not have been like a, you know, convict. You know, he was like the rough. He might have had a switchblade. And um, he he would, you know, steal things. And he was the guy we all kind of looked up to as a badass. So maybe Joaquin Phoenix in the Pepin ding dong ditch uh, stealing, uh, you know, you know, petty things out of the grocery store and then eight-year-old Rob Lowe going, wow, 
I want to be like Papine. Unfortunately, Papine met his his uh, untimely end when he was being chased by the police and jumped over a barbed wire fence and the bar- barbed wire caught him in the nutsack and he was uh, rushed to the hospital and we never saw Papine again. That might prevent Joaquin Phoenix from doing the role. But that is the truth. And truth is, as you know, stranger than fiction. All right, thanks. See you next week. You have been listening to Literally with Rob Lowe. Produced and engineered by me, Devin Tory Bryant. Executive produced by Rob Lowe for Low Profile. Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco. And Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Stitcher. The supervising producer is Aaron Blaird. Talent producer, Jennifer Samples. Please rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts. And remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Stitcher. Stay connected this winter with this unbeatable deal from BreezeLine. Get reliable, fiber-powered internet for just $19.99 per month with all-in pricing for two years. But that's not all. Your first month is on us. This deal gets better with a free modem and installation along with free Wi-Fi your way whole home coverage. Safeguard your network from cyber threats and keep all your devices connected and secured with this amazing offer. Act now. Terms and conditions apply. Offer expires March 3rd, 2024. Learn more at BreezeLine.com.